welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. Our goal is to provide you with a way to listen to real conversations on work by real SLPs. We are full-time SLPs being in the trenches. These are honest conversations. We hope these conversations are helpful, fun, and make your work and home life more manageable. Today's topic, tips for getting through your clinical fellowship time, enthusiasm in our SLP lives, and SLP advice that'll keep you moving forward, not back. I'm Sarah, and with me is Sari. We are both SLPs who love to talk about ways to make our work lives and even our out-of-work lives healthier, more content, and calmer. That's right. I'm Sari, a clinical fellow about halfway through my first year now. I'm learning a lot this first year and becoming more skilled at balancing my work life with my personal life. I think this podcast has helped me already, and I hope that it helps you too. This is a podcast to discuss work, life, and taking care of ourselves in a profession full of ups and downs. I hope that by tuning in, we can all feel less alone, less isolated, and more empowered to be great SLPs. So, Sari, this is the first episode we are recording since we launched, and our podcast is out there in the world, so we're launched. We're out there. Mm -hmm. uh, Sari and I were in post-production for several months, so post-production is everything that happens from the time you record the podcast to getting the podcast out there onto podcast players. Mm -hmm. There's lots of details, lots of computery stuff, and there were some bends in the road, and we were totally learning this as we went. There was a point in this process where I really wondered if it was going to happen at all. Me too. I, we certainly didn't think it would happen this fast, though. Mm -hmm. We thought we would launch in the spring, but we ended up launching around late January, early February, mm -hmm. and it's been fantastic. We were really fast, and I think we surprised ourselves by how fast it came together, especially when there were several points where we wondered if we'd even be able to pull off a spring launch because things were not going according to plan. So how has this launch been for you? Because for me, it's been a bit emotional, but in a good way. It's been exciting. But I, I have to say that I think I felt the most excited when I was reading some of our listeners' feedback on Instagram and our first podcast review. Yeah, the nitty-gritty post-production stuff isn't that fun, but hearing feedback from listeners really, really is. And oh, yes, we got our first review in iTunes. Yes, so big thanks to a listener, Alice. And SLP, she wrote a really nice first review that tells me that we're on the right track. Here's what Alice said. She said, get ready to laugh, connect, and grow. Sarah and Sari bring a realness that perfectly offsets the Pinteresty perfectionism of the current SLP landscape. It's refreshing to hear them open up and share what being an SLP is really like. I can't get enough. Oh, 
That makes me a bit teary-eyed, and it's so sweet. Thank you so much, Alice. Alice, this is the most encouraging feedback we could have asked for. Thank you so much for your review. Your words exactly hit on our goals for starting this podcast. Yeah, and maybe the launch was up and down, but getting these comments um, on iTunes and Mm -hmm. Instagram make the hard work and hustle of the launch feel worth it. This past month has been lots of ups and downs. Yes, yes. If you've ever wondered if your iTunes reviews make a difference, the answer is absolutely yes, especially to a new podcast like ours. Alice contacted us and uh, she shared her address and we've got a hand-lettered thank you note in the mail to her. Alice, let us know when you get it and share your photo on Instagram and tag us. We really, really appreciate your review. Mm-hmm. And our mamas taught us right and we are thank you note people. <laughs> I am too. I, I'm glad that we did that. Here's to our mamas. Uh-huh. Cheers. All right. Here, here. That first review is a big deal. Plus, you all know from previous episodes that I love snail mail. So I thought we'd try something new today, and it's a new segment called What's Up, What's Down. It's an activity I do with my older social students and wanted to try here. So What's Up, What's Down is exactly what it sounds like. You share something from your week that was an up or a high point and something that was a down or a low point, and it's super open-ended. It's a way I build rapport with my older students and help them ask me questions and make social comments. I learned it from another SLP. So anyway, it's a great activity to just get to know each other and check in. So I wanted to loop it into this podcast. So this week we flipped a coin and Sari is starting with what's down. I'm glad we're starting with what's down so that we can end with what's up. So what's down for me this week was back-to-back IEP meetings across the three schools that I serve, which are kind of far apart. Now I've been trying to make every single IEP meeting, even if I just helped to reevaluate a student, to share what I saw in their communication skills at their IEP meeting, to meet the families and hear any concerns that are going on at home or in class that I didn't know about. Anyway, this week was a mad rush trying to get between my treatment sessions and these meetings, so I guess it was just hectic, mainly because of the driving, which took a lot of time out of my day and prevented me from feeling like I was being productive. Reflecting on it now, what I could have done is maybe offer to do a phone conference for those meetings where I wasn't actually providing um, direct treatment to the students and was more of just on the, on the evaluation team and share my feedback over the phone and still hear what the families have to say because that driving time and was taking a toll, was definitely taking a toll and I should let some of those things go. So what's your up this week? First of all, I wanna say that that type of driving is a lot of work and you wanna make it happen because you care about your students and your families, but it sounds like after doing that, you're realizing that that amount of driving between schools isn't always realistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have meetings all day, like IEP days or multiple meetings per day that you were rushing to? No, it wasn't all day. It was just multiple meetings per day at different schools. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those kinds of days are legitimately draining and they're even, they're so hard and tiring even without any driving. Right, right. Not every week is this crazy, but this week was a lot of driving to meetings. So I probably could have cut back. 
So I think we'll transition to what's up. So what's up for me this week is enthusiasm. So I have a toddler I was working with and came in for an evaluation. And her mom sent me the sweetest email that said, when the toddler woke up the next day, she was so happy. And she said, now I get to go back to see Miss Sarah. And she had thought that she was going to come to speech every single day instead of once a week. And she was so disappointed that it was only once a week, but kind of okay with it because she loved coming. So I, I want to remember this story because enthusiasm is something you can't buy. You can't bottle up enthusiasm and you can't fake it. So I want to notice enthusiasm in my own work life when it's there and also notice when I feel enthusiastic. So that's another example of something we can do to take care of ourselves is to notice when we feel enthusiasm at work or at home and try to do more of those things. So overall, that story was a sweet interaction that kept me smiling all week long. It's very cute. I love that. It's a great happy thought, especially when things are getting busy. Yes, enthusiasm is such a powerful teacher. I think it's great to notice not only what your clients are enthusiastic about, but what we are enthusiastic about, whether that's treating a new disorder area, learning something new, or binge-watching Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, <laughs> not naming names here. But noticing your enthusiasm can be a powerful tool to avoid burnout and take care of you. Right, absolutely. I agree with every word you just said. It makes me think about the advice that you gave me earlier this week about moving forward, and I think it'd be a good time to talk about it a little bit. Should we share some SLP wisdom? Let's do it. One of our segments is called SLP Wisdom. It's where we talk about advice that we've gotten in the SLP world or outside in the real world, which has impacted our careers or lives for the better. And the advice you mentioned is something I was lucky enough to get from the very first special education director I ever worked with, and it's a good one. Never go back, always go forward. I feel so fortunate to have received this advice in my first year as an SLP, and it's really impacted how I practice. Although this is maybe not the best philosophy for your personal life, it's saved my bacon many times in my professional life. To me, this means to not stress about the backlog and moving backwards, but once we know better, we do better. So we'll move forward and do it right from that moment and that time on. I love that piece of advice. And you know, you actually used that with me recently when I called you and asked if we should delay publishing our podcast so I could fine-tune our sound editing more. So Sarah said this exactly to me. She said, never go back, always go forward. And that simple thing actually helped me make peace with our first podcast and just look forward to the fact that every time we publish any podcast, it's going to just get better and better. So I hope this podcast is a better listener experience than the first one that we published and that the next one will be a better listener experience than this one. I'm new to sound editing and have been enjoying the process, but every time we make a new podcast, I learn something else. Um, so I had wanted to backtrack. 
Yes. So just so you know, we've gotten two people who have reached out and to say our editing sounded professional, and that's all you. Yay! That's great to hear. And as far as going back, if we go back, it's almost like we're undoing the work we've already done. Of course, in our professional lives, if we made a real mistake on a report or some sort of documentation, of course you go back. We both do this all the time. But this is specifically around when you have something that isn't legal, that you just want to go back and redo it all. If you can help it, don't go back. That's perfectionism. Go for growth instead mm -hmm. and just move forward and do better. I think a lot of SLPs are perfectionists. At least I seem to know a lot who are. And I think I fit that definition a little bit. So I need to keep this in mind and learn to be better at letting the little things go. And uh, just continue to try to do better the next time moving forward. I think that drive of wanting to do things perfectly all the time is part of what makes my CF year a little hard. And that's actually what our main topic is today, discussing what we wish someone would have told us before our CF year. And I hope that our CF listeners will enjoy this discussion, and I'm sure those with their C's will be able to relate. Mm -hmm. And I bet we have some students listening, too, that would like to, you know, get, get the down and dirty and the information mm -hmm. that we're about to mm -hmm. share about how to have a good first year as an SLP. So I think SLP students or students who want to go down the SLP track will benefit from this advice, too. Mm -hmm. So to start our CF segment, we're going to discuss what not to do in your first six months as a CF. So in case we have any future SLPs listening or listeners who haven't gone to school for speech-language pathology but are thinking about it, Sari, what's a clinical fellow or a CF? So those words are interchangeable. If you hear someone say that they're a CF, that basically means that they are a clinical fellow or a speech therapist in their first year of work. During a clinical fellowship, you are not a certified SLP through the American Speech, Language, and Hearing Association, or ASHA. Upon completing the requirements of a clinical fellowship, which are all posted on the ASHA website, if you want more information, a clinical fellow can apply for their C's or their Certificate of Clinical Competence, and then they can become fully certified um, as a speech-language pathologist. But this certification is not to be confused with state licensure, which have their own set of rules and expectations. So there's your basic dictionary definition of what a CF is. Mm -hmm. Well explained. First, I wanted to share a little bit about my time as a CF. In graduate school, I did have school externships, among other settings. And in my time as a CF, I worked for a school district. I'd never written an IEP before, and I had attended only one IEP meeting. I was really unprepared for how to interact with parents especially in complex and difficult situations. I also wasn't ready for how to manage all the people who were asking me for things, teachers, educational assistants, administrators, and they were asking for things all the time. Most days I couldn't even get 20 minutes of work done without being interrupted, which makes it really difficult to make progress on the paperwork. So things started to pile up even more. In a school district, there really aren't enough resources to go around, so everyone needs help. And I wanted to help, 
But for me, that meant I rarely prioritized my own work. Mm -hmm. During my time as a CF, I did have a CF mentor, but my mentors changed halfway through, mm -hmm. which was stressful. And both of my mentors seemed overworked and busy. And that seemed clear to me. So maybe they were just overwhelmed. And I didn't want to add to their burden by asking for more supervision or by asking too many questions. I wanted so, so badly to have an experienced SLP to talk to, someone I could go to and ask clinical questions to, or someone who would listen to me explain one of my cases and give me feedback, ideas, and guidance. That's a big part of why I wanted to start this podcast. So wherever you are in your career, I want you to be able to hear SLPs talk about work in a hopefully healthy and productive way. A little SLP talk goes a long way, and I was craving that as a CF. As a clinical fellow, I was, or I felt so unprepared and isolated. I don't think I'd go back to that time for a million bucks. So it was hard, but there were rewards along the way. Two things specifically that just put a huge grin on my face when I think back to that time. First of all, when I think back to that time, I do think of the faces of a couple kids I worked with, especially my nonverbal students. Mm -hmm. I do have fond memories of that. That really was so rewarding. I saw growth, I worked with teams, and I got to see kids be themselves and express their preferences when they formerly hadn't had the opportunity to do so. I mean, that is life-affirming work. Mm -hmm. Another highlight of that time for me is that I also became best friends with the learning specialists I work with. And those are sometimes called special education teachers or resource teachers, depending on where you work. I don't know what I would have done without them. They just got it. They knew what I was going through. Those friendships were so rewarding and were so invaluable, and they helped me so much. I don't think I was fully prepared either for my CF year, but I don't know if anybody ever really, truly is fully prepared for this career. Not too long ago, I met a speech therapist who began speech 10 years ago under a conditional license in our state, which are no longer offered and probably because of situations like hers. But this speech therapist shared with me how she felt like she was just a warm body. Those were her exact words in way over her head for those first couple of years working as a specialist without having completed specialized training because she was in school while working as an SLP. So I just worry um, on my side of things that this first year I'm not giving my students as good a services as they deserve. And it's hard for me to accept that, that I'm not this amazing speech therapist yet. At least I don't think I am. I'm trying really hard but I don't know what I don't know. I just want to do a good job and help my students, and I wish I was a more seasoned and experienced SLP so that some of these things were just second nature to me the way they are to more experienced SLPs. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that does come with time, like you said, and I was about to give you a pep talk because I think you're doing an amazing job, but then I realized what if none of us are 
perfect SLPs. Like, what if we're all pretty good and none of us are significantly better than others? And what if we're all just doing what we can? Would that be so bad? I'm just trying to take out the performance piece a little bit. And I don't know the answers here, but I'm just thinking out loud. Mm -hmm. So if none of us was a perfect SLP or a wonderful SLP, uh, what would our world look like? Well, we wouldn't compare ourselves to each other or think that some other SLP was doing a better job than we are. And there would also, we would maybe talk kinder to ourselves instead of saying like, I should have done this or I should have done that. And then I would have been like the perfect SLP that I have in my mind, right? Um, there's no measuring up against ourselves or ways of trying to do better because we can't get exponentially better. It's impossible, right? We can get slightly better and that takes lots of time and practice mm -hmm. and there's no fast track to that. So don't get me wrong. I think we are all awesome SLPs and I think SLPs really care and that's what makes us awesome. Mm -hmm. But what if being a super great SLP doesn't matter? What if caring and showing up is the thing that matters and knowing that we have years of education that really has prepared us for that, even when we feel like it hasn't. Well, that and all the continuing education courses we take. I think we have high standards for ourselves and sometimes impossibly high standards. When my standards get too high, which happens daily, I try to bring in some perspective. We put a ton of pressure on ourselves to perform at a high level as SLPs and I think anyone in any helping profession can relate to that. Sometimes we need to think of it in this way. It's a job, like many other jobs, especially we need to remember that when perfectionism starts to creep in. So we need to have heart as SLPs and a lot of it or else we wouldn't be doing this work. But maybe we need to remember that sometimes this is, after all, a job. If we make it our passion or life work, that becomes dangerous in my opinion. The stakes just get too high and our expectations get too high and that leads to burnout. So what about just being a present SLP and doing our job? Is that really so bad? I, I don't think so. I think that's hard for me to respond to this first year because I'm still in that fresh out of grad school mindset where I still want to be the top of my class and I still feel like there's someone supervising me and critiquing my every move just like in grad school and that's what I need to work on to balance my work life and my personal life more is accepting the fact that some days just being present is enough maybe not every day but some days and we're not talking about just showing up and winging it because we do lesson plans and paperwork and we do care, but we are talking about being hands-off, letting things go and forgiving yourself and being a present SLP. When we show up and do our best, we can still provide excellent service. Right. And sometimes the best lessons are not things that we've planned. Part of this job is being good at improv and that is not something they tell you during your C before your CF year. So there you go. There's another tip for you. I completely agree. Now for the promised topic of today, which is what to do in your first year as an SLP. 
Sari and I made this with first-year SLPs in mind, but it's just plain good advice for anyone who's changing jobs or changing settings and wants to avoid some of the common pitfalls of starting out at a new place. It's also going to be a good listen for SLP students to start thinking about ways to have a smooth transition to your first job. And of course, it is made with clinical fellows who are SLPs just starting out in mind. Right. As I read through our list, I just found myself nodding over and over again. I really do wish someone had opened up some of these conversations with me uh, before I started this first year because I think it would have helped me be more prepared. So, Sari and I have developed a list of 10 things to do, or sometimes it's things not to do, mm -hmm. in your first year as an SLP. So, what's our first piece of advice? So, the first piece of advice is don't be isolated. It's easy to let yourself be separated from others and just focus on getting the work done. Sometimes through that process, you can find yourself in a state of isolation. Find at least a few coworkers that you can reach out to. And I think a lot of times we don't realize how isolated we are because we're so busy trying to get the work Absolutely. done. Yeah. Next piece of advice, don't do it all yourself and don't try to figure it all out yourself. Mm -hmm. No man is an island, no woman is an island, no SLP is an island. Sometimes, especially when things get busy, we try to do it all, every single one of our tasks without really stopping to think about if there's another team member or person that we could loop in to help, or without figuring out if it's something the team, not the individual, should be dealing with. Our third piece of advice is don't accept the SLP guilt. Don't let yourself get into that cycle of feeling like you aren't doing a good job, or that it's all on you or that it's all your fault if it's not going well, or that you need to do all the work if there's too much work. As SLPs, we tend to always think that we should be doing better, but that's too big of a burden for us to carry. And also, as helpers, um, don't take on that task for someone else. Don't do that team member's job because you're being a nice person. Um, of course, we want to help people if we have the time, but we often don't. So don't accept the SLP guilt that you always need to help other people out with their tasks. Our next piece of advice is don't think that you already know it all. But also, on the other end of the spectrum, don't think you have to know it all. So don't think that you know everything about being an SLP. And don't be complacent in your career. Try to keep learning and growing. Right. It's perfectly fine to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And know that if you're an SLP, you are a lifelong learner and that you're just figuring nearly everything out. Mm -hmm. Our fifth piece of advice is don't feel like your CF mentor has to be your primary mentor. If they're busy or if it just isn't a good fit, Find your own, even if they don't live in your area or even if they don't work in the same field. Sometimes a mentor could be found in the oddest of places, but support is support, and that's the bottom line, and you need it. You'll need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, finding 
a sort of mentor who isn't your, you know, on paper mentor, but who's someone, even if they live in a different city or a different area, even if you're in the schools and they're in the hospitals, finding someone that you can talk to is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Next piece of advice is number six, don't ever ever surprise a caregiver, family, or parent at a meeting. So one example is um, often for school meetings where we're talking about a new eligibility. For example, we want permission to do testing for autism or learning disability or anything like that. Make sure the parent knows exactly what they're going into that meeting for. Make sure you've prepared them for that as much as possible so that they aren't surprised because that's going to really hurt your relationship with that family. Mm -hmm. And on the adult end of the spectrum, don't, whenever possible, don't surprise a family. Let them know as things are going along how they're going so they don't feel like you're pulling the rug out from underneath them. Our seventh point for what not to do during your CF year is don't only share the negative. And this is true, uh, especially in your reports, um, during evals. It's easy sometimes to focus on all the things that are not working or are weaknesses, but remember to find the positives and the strengths and the happy thoughts. I think in meetings and paperwork, we're trained to see, you know, where are the deficits, where are the delays, and to really expand on those. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a mind flip to make sure that we're sharing strengths and positive things we see with our clients as right. well. Right, right. This is one I think our next piece of advice, number eight, is one that probably not everyone will agree with, which is don't eat lunch in the break room or um, at the office or school, wherever you work. So you may disagree with us on this one, but lunchtime, um, like other people's lunchtime, not yours, is a great time to be available. So sometimes I'll pop into work and see if coworkers need me or want to talk about clients or office procedures when I have time for it. So that's only something I do sometimes. And at lunch, I just think, at lunch, I'm a resource, um, but I don't eat in the lunchroom. So if you want to eat in peace, it's your only real time during the day to be alone and let your brain rest. So find a quiet spot inside, outside, and let your brain not think about work and not be involved in office gossip. Mm-hmm. Our ninth piece of advice is don't reply to the emotional conversation right away. Um, Give yourself some time to take a breather, calm down, and um, get yourself into a frame of mind where you can actually um, calmly think about a solution and um, the best way to approach an emotionally charged situation. Mm -hmm. And number 10, don't continue to deal with a difficult parent or coworker without asking for help. So loop someone else in. So that could be if someone is angry, if someone is complaining. If you have a boss, find them and have them involved in the conversation. Call a meeting. Sometimes when there's a conflict that's one-on-one, it can be very helpful to loop someone else in who can be helpful to you and not try to do it all yourself. 
And that concludes this episode of SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you are a newer SLP or an SLP student, we hope this episode gives you a good snapshot of what it's really like to be an SLP. Wherever you are in your SLP journey, we hope you feel more connected and empowered by listening today and that you learn something along the way. Let's figure this out together. By sharing our experiences and perspectives, we can become more connected to each other and more forgiving of ourselves. Let's navigate through these thorny issues together. As we do, remember you already know what you need to know to be an awesome SLP, but not a perfect SLP. (laughs) And you already care as much as you need to care to be an awesome SLP. We hope you enjoyed this show as we talked about enthusiasm, never going back, perfectionism as an SLP, and tips for clinical fellows. We hope you found this conversation helpful and that you learned something along the way. If you like the show, you can support us in several ways. Each episode will highlight one way that we'd like your support. And this week, it's subscribing. Please subscribe to this podcast so you know when new episodes come out. It helps us bring episodes to you since having subscriptions and subscribers is helpful to us and it means you'll know when new episodes come out. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com or find us on Instagram as slphappyhour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. We are learning, growing, and enjoying these conversations just as much as you are. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Our goal here is to help you know the things we didn't know, avoid the mistakes we made, and have a successful tenure as an SLP. (laughs) (laughs) I'm distracted by the snow. I know, I was just thinking, it's coming down so hard. Uh, I'm going to be snowed in. You're going to stay here tonight. I'm going to be snowed in. This is incredible. This is so much snow. Wow. I hope I get a snow day. (laughs) I hope I get home (laughs) (laughs) safely. (laughs) Bring on the snow.